0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayidina Muhammad sayyidil awwalin wal akhirin wa ala ajma'in Assalamu alaykum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh brothers and sisters welcome alhamdulillah tonight hope everybody is doing wonderful hamda grab some coffee or some tea and just get in a good place bismillah inshallah that we can Caffeinate our minds and our iman, inshallah, and in our practice. So we're going to be talking about um, the last part of Surah Um Surah Furqan is the twenty-fifth chapter of the Quran. Alhamdulillah, uh, and we're going to be starting talking from verse sixty-one to the end of the chapter over t- tonight and tomorrow. So if you have a copy of the Quran with you, you may want to um, grab a copy of the Quran so that you can follow along uh, inshallah ta'ala surah faqan was sent in mecca to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so that makes it a meccan surah and it has certain important traits that we find in mecca surahs that we'll be discussing inshallah uh, what we're going to be learning specifically are number 1 um, the importance of reflecting and thinking about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and centering uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives so that it can enhance our lives and bring life to our lives. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, like you should answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the call of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa alihi wa when you are called to what will give you life. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said to the Prophet, وسلم, we sent you a ruh. And of course, ruh is a spirit. It brings life to a person. Uh, it it restores a person. I'm I'm someone who believes that you know whether it's the failed efforts of prevent this disaster we're seeing in the UK with Muslims, whether it's um, the uh, intimidation of Muslim women in France and in India. Um, Whether it's the Islamophobia and anti-Muslim bigotry that we deal with and racism in America, that loving and caring for each other as Muslims is a great act of worship. And also we have to think about a restorative theology um, that brings us back to remembering our greatness and our purpose as a prophetic community. Uh, the community of the Prophet So we're going to be talking about this chapter, Surah Furqan, the end of this chapter insha'Allah, and this chapter is going to talk about how we locate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives, how we locate the importance of each other, the Ummah, the community of the Prophet وسلم, in our lives, and then also uh, as we start tonight, it will talk about a four-step process that we always want to be thinking about as we live our lives In search of being and committing to, to religious adherence Like what are the four things that we want to think about throughout our lives as Muslims um, From this moment, inshallah, ta'ala, um, to the time, we we pass on So these last few verses of Surah Al-Furqan are actually very profound. They lay out a foundation for relationship with Allah The the third thing that the chapter will talk about and we'll begin this tonight and then finish it tomorrow Insha'Allah Ta'ala are the four steps The four things that we wanna be thinking about, and these are not necessarily linear because our lives are so um, unpredictable, right? Alhamdulillah, but what are the four things like we can be thinking about in our lives as we try to stay committed to Islam? Today, there was a study that came out that showed that religious conviction for people across the board in America now, conviction in the existence of God is now at around 45%. And slowly teetering down in an era of uh, heathenism, which is is, is unabated, um, barbarianism, which is given the the veneer of of you know a nice look and a nice appearance and nice words and and the shininess of the dunya, it becomes very important that we center ourselves in faith in these very difficult times. And the Prophet sallallahu he said in the sound hadith that the fitan, the trials will, will be unrolled like like you unroll a rug, like they will slowly unravel. And some of our teachers used to say, al-fitan uh, you know, like waves on a, in a tide, That that's how trials come to the hearts. And so the way that we protect ourselves is with the Qur'an, reflecting on the Qur'an and studying on the Qur'an, in, in, uh, and then thinking constructively and engaged about the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wallahi subhanAllah, two days ago, I was sitting with an 81-year-old Orientalist, an admitted orientalist. And we were discussing certain topics, academic topics. And of course, there's a lot of things that we don't agree on. And then one of our colleagues said to this very esteemed academic, is you know, who, who is admittedly like an agnostic as far as I can understand. And he said to him, like, have you ever felt anything that moved you spiritually? Has there ever been anything that, that, that kind of touched you? And SubhanAllah, what he said, it, it, it affected me emotionally. He's an 81 year old person. He said to me, the Sunnah, SubhanAllah, <laughs> this is like the last thing I expected to hear from this person, right? He said the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That that the Sunnah of Muhammad Alihi Sallatussalam is something that that moves me, and impacts me uh, in ways that like nothing else can touch me. So Alhamdulillah, let's spend some time, and I hope that you find this also a sort of a rejuvenation. You're going to hear things perhaps that are much more positive than you're used to hearing. If you're if you're if you're you know your major source of theology is through say short clips here and there on TikTok or Instagram or other places, they may actually contribute to you feeling down. And then you couple that with how the dunya is made to appear so concrete and definitive and beautiful in these places. It can really work to erode the uh, struggling religious self conscience that Islam gives us. Alhamdulillah. So we're going to be talking about Tawheed, a, a, a practical way that we can all engage Tawheed. Alhamdulillah. And then we're going to be talking about the sacredness of the Ummah, our community, each other, how we are commanded to love one another. And how is it that now Muslims are hating each other? Um, How can we sort of reverse that understanding? We're going to be talking about a few things related to that. And then we're going to be talking about the first of the four behavioral qualities that we want to acquire. And if someone can take notes on the Zoom, that will be great. And even on Instagram Live to help people, it's going to be helpful to people. My apologies. You know, sometimes we're so busy, always looking for anyone that's willing to help me, any volunteers, feel free to contact me. You know, the amount of of work sometimes that we're doing, we're not able to, you know, prepare the notes and things like that that people uh, would like. So so if perhaps others can help, uh, that's going to be great. So we'll start tonight and then tomorrow. Again, we'll meet inshallah ta'ala. So let's talk about uh, the first verse, alhamdulillah, that we find here in the 25th chapter of the Quran. This is verse 61. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after when we recite the Quran, all of the scholars of Quran agree that we have to say, billahi At least one time, you don't have to say it every time, but at least one time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, وَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرجيم. When you recite the Qur'an, seek refuge from, seek refuge with Allah from shaitan. Allah, subhanAllah, if it's an obligation for us to say أَعُوذُ with the Qur'an, what about everything else? Like subhanAllah, the Qur'an is a book of guidance. It's a book of light. It's a book of, of centering and direction. But even shaitan can try to bother us when we're reciting the Quran. And what about, subhanallah, in our daily lives? We either qurat al Quran, fasta'ith bilahi minash shaitan regime. So we say, a'udhu billahi minash shaitan regime. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tabaraka levhi ja'ara fis sama iburoo ja'w wa ja'ara fiha sira ja'w wa kamaram munira. SubhanAllah. The word tabarak, all of us know this word because we say barakah. I'm sure everyone who's watching knows what barakah means. Feel free to type it in the chat box, right? But mashallah, the word barakah khalas, it means blessing. But actually the word baraka is from a word barook. And barook is a camel. And it's not just any camel. It's a camel that does not need a lot. It's a camel, SubhanAllah, that does not require a lot of, of attention. It's the camel that some, some ancient Arabs would say, the buruk is the camel that can cross the desert with the least amount of, you you need, you require the least amount of accessories. So tabarak, and then it became to be like a blessing, a blessing SubhanAllah. So that's why Sayyidina Isa says, Allah has made me mubarak, why? Because the righteous servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not require a lot of things to have a good relationship with Allah. The relationship with Allah is not commodified. You know, like sometimes when good things happen, our Iman is high, but then, things that are perceived to be not in our favor, not what we wanted, Allah hates me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like me, I'm the most hated you know, servant of Allah, or maybe why is Allah doing this to me? This is not Mubarak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. He says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ There are some people who worship Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala عَلَىٰ حَرْفٍ Harf doesn't mean a prepositional phrase <laughs> Harf here means like, like an edge An edge So if good comes their way, they lean this way Like, oh, Allah loves me, I'm I'm a righteous person But if perceived bad comes their way uh, Why did Allah do this to me? I'm so angry, subhanAllah Why would Allah do this to me? This is not Mubarak this is Mun Harif. So here's a very important lesson we take from the seas of Arabic language that when we say mubarak or to someone who get married, we shouldn't say mabruk. by the way. Mabruk is a camel. <laughs> mubarak is, is the blessed, the blessing. Mabruk is the camel that we talked about earlier, Baruch. But when we say to someone mubarak, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean bounty in the sense of how capitalism and the cult of materialism, this myopic sense of dunyism has taken the hearts of people. Mubarak means that whatever Allah has given you, whether it's great or whether it's small, I pray that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will bless you to extract every possible good from that thing that will take you to Allah's pleasure into Jannah. This is Mubarak. Because we know that Sayyidina Isa, والسلام, he was Zahid. He was not of this dunya. But he said, Allah made me Mubarak and Aina Ma Kunt, wherever I am. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he describes us as Muslims in this way, in uh, the end of Surah Al Ghashiyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says very nicely, أفلا إلى الإبل كيف خلقت وإلى السماء كيف رفعت وإلى الجبال كيف نصبت وإلى الأرض كيف فذكر إنما أنت مذكر. One of my teachers years ago, he was from Rawapindi. I don't know if anyone here is from Rawapindi. I had a, a teacher in uh, Quran, MashaAllah, Sheikh الله He passed away. May Allah have mercy upon him. But he, he was from Rawalpindi in Pakistan. And he told me when we were reading Sultan Ghashia that these verses are not talking where it says, have they not looked at the camels? Have they not looked at the heavens? Have they not looked at the mountains? Have they not looked at the earth? He said, actually, this is talking about the Muslim, the adherent Muslim who is like a camel because the camel does not need a lot from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala to give all it has for worship. That's why later on in the same part of the Quran, you know, those horses is actually, again, is a metaphor for the faithful Muslim. So we are like this, we should ideally, if we want to understand the concept of zuhud, the uh, healthy indifference to the cult of opulence, we should think about camels and being Mubarak. I don't need a lot of water. I just need enough to function. And with Allah, I don't worry so much about what I have, but I worry about how I use what I have and uncovering the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever He's given me. And that's why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in the Quran fi'a bi Wallahu <laughs> sabirin." How many times did the small army defeat the, long, the, the large army by the will of Allah? That doesn't mean also that we don't try to make effort. Of course, we try our best to make effort. But after trying our best, if we have not achieved what we thought we needed to be successful, leave it to Allah. So the word Tabarak. In this context, we'll talk about it in a second, it's talking about Allah Azza wa But in the context of his creation, we're Mubarak when we're able to cross this dunya without a lot of extra things and reach the goal. And the goal is Jannah. Subhanallah. That's why some scholars used to say, Sumtum tumani dunya wa aftiru wa inda muhammadin. Fil-akhira. Some scholars used to say, I, I have fasted from dunya, meaning opulence. And I hope to break my fast with Muhammad sallallahu in the akhirah." Allahu Akbar. When we talk about Allah Azza wa tabarak is a superlative. And tabarak, mashallah, is, is phrased in a way that implies Allah Azza wa he needs nothing. a samad as he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, Allahu samad, as-samadiyya. What we say in, in Usuruddin, al-Din, tu lil hawaditheen. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in opposition to all things. He needs nothing from it. Wa qa'im bi nafs. He's self-established. He doesn't need anything to exist. Wa al-wahdaniya, and he's one. Subhanahu wa ta'ala so al-ladhi, it's translated as blessed but the meaning more is like transcendent in his he doesn't need anything from anybody he doesn't require worship and masha'allah a little worship a little sincere worship from his servants he will reward them greatly wa ajra wa astaghfirullah <laughs> ghafur rahim as the Quran says, do just do a little and do it right. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will, as we'll talk about later in this chapter, will amplify your good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this dunya. He knows this dunya is difficult, especially in this age. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, fil that worshiping in times of fitna is like migration to Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So there's a lot of meanings here. Tabarak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs nothing, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward greatly even for little acts of worship that are done with incredible sincerity. Subhanallah. That's why the salaf used to say, "Niyatul mu'min khayru min Amali." Right, the intention of the believer is better than his or her action, because a person may do good and not have an intention. So tabarak alladhi ja'ala fi s-sama'i burujaw wa ja'ala fiha sirajan wa qamaran munira Allah subhanahu ta'ala says blessed is the one who made ja'ala here means in shat min adam ilal al-wujud that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused something to exist that did not exist before this is the theological meaning of ja'ala ay khalaqa fi Made in the heavens, burujan. In here, buruj means like, most ulama said, Nujuman, the stars. Wa and he made also there the qamar. And the word qamar actually means something that it reflects light. This is a, a miracle of the Quran. The qamar is something that reflects light. It's not something that gives light. Wa Sirajan is a Siraj, like our Imam Siraj Wahaj, Allah. The Siraj is something that emanates light, talking about the sun. wa Qamaran Munira and the, 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 the moon, the moon that reflects it. A cool light, subhanAllah. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala start with this important introduction as we start towards the end of this chapter? Because just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and pay attention, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made different celestial bodies with different intensities of light, He has also made awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth who their hearts and their iman has different lights. Some of them will be like stars, some of them will be like suns, and some of them will be like moons. SubhanAllah. So just as he created in the heavens, these different celestial entities that have different intensities of noor, he has chosen you, whoever says la ilaha illallah, to be a carrier of light. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in surah al nur nurun ala noor, yahdi illahu nurihi man yasha light upon light. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides to light who he wants. And that's why Sayyidina Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa aarihi wa sahbihi wa when he would walk to the masjid, because the masjid is the munawwar, the masjid is the hospital of nur, when he would walk to the masjid, alayhi salatu sallam, he would say, Allahumma zidni nurah, Oh Allah, increase me in light. And another narration, he would say, make in front of me light make behind me light wa'ala and on my right side light and on my left side light sallallahu alayhi wa wasahbi wasallam so this also implies responsibility that every single one of us who says la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah we are al nur al anwar and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these different levels of light in Surah Fatir. Because sometimes I know we all make mistakes. So sometimes we may feel that our light is not as strong as it could be. Maybe we haven't paid our bills. <laughs> and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the different levels of light. <laughs> Those who have sinned. But still, look what Allah says in this verse. Then we caused our servants to inherit the book. Who are our servants? Is this Ummah. And Allah calls us to his ibad. Subhanallah. Some of them, they're sinners, but still they are the ibad of Allah. How can the community kick out sinners when Allah, he didn't kick out sinners. He called them his ibad. These are like stars. مقتصد, this is the qamar munira. These are the those that illuminate. They, they reflect illumination. He says, muqtasid. Those who are between good and evil. And then there are those who are foremost. They're the leaders of doing good. These are the shamusul um, shamsul um, the sons of the um, the leaders who shine light, subhanallah. As we're going to talk about at the end of surah Al-Fuqan, make us leaders. Righteous leadership is something we should seek. So mashallah, in this chapter, we start in the 64th verse. Allah Azza wa He says, "Tabaraka fi wa fiha wa That we placed in the heaven stars, sun and moon. Now maybe somebody ask, like Subhanallah, like you know, if 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 this is, you know, the state of the heavens, then what are the qualities? Of those, so then Allah continues, And we made the day and the night in succession to one another, khilfa. The same word is khalifa to come after one another. So the word khalafa means to come after i Imam and behind the Imam. So in the 62nd verse, He made the day and the night successions to succeed one another. To The One Arada Arada Shukura. In here, there are a number of things that are implied. Number one is that in the day and in the night, those stars are still still there. At times we may not see them, we see the sun, we see the moon, but we don't sometimes, we don't see the stars till the night. And also there's a lesson that Imam Ibn Nahwi talks about, that sometimes when our iman isn't strong, one of the things that can strengthen our iman is that we show our resolve in the face of tests. Then the stars of our iman begin to show. SubhanAllah. That's why he said, Imam Ibn Nahu in his poem about trauma, he says that the, the the deepest depths of the night has small bright stars. Like sometimes it's through those tests and trials that we uncover, you know what? Actually, subhanAllah, I'm an iman. I have Iman. I can see the stars of my iman in the challenges of the test liman arad for the one who wants and here we find something very important in in aqeedah that people say you know i don't have, uh, how do we have free will how do i know I have free because allah says in the quran you have free will for the one who wants so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the utility the the freedom of choice i can look at the day and the night i can look at the day and say wow i can go out and do something wrong oh, now it's nighttime, I can go out and do evil. Or I can look at the day and the night and say, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah, this this demands that I think about this and try to understand the source of all this. Ya dakara, aw arada shukura, or I should show my gratitude for this. And then the question comes, like we talked about earlier, stars, moon, sun, the level of the light in the hearts of the believers. After reading all of this, and what we take from the 62nd verse also is to be consistent whether day or night. I try to be with Allah, whether day or night, no matter the situation. That's why Sayyidina Isa says, Aina ma kuntu, Allah may Mubarak in every situation. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago, even in the day before the day of judgment, when the Dajjal and the Ya'juj and Ma'juj and all of these things happen, we still have to pray. If Ya'juj and Ma'juj come in Ramadan, we still have to fast. If we fight with the Mahdi, we still have to observe salah. So the taklif doesn't stop. So here, wahua ladhi nahar a Every aspect of your life, day and night, is made for what? لِمَنْ أراد أن أو أراد The word shukur actually is from also the word which means a fat camel. They would say شَكَرَة النقى. That the naqa, when the camel becomes fat, they would say it's shakira, because its fatness is the sign of a good servant, a good master, excuse me. And so later on, the Arabs would use this word when someone would show gratitude. They would show gratitude to something. So in that situation, it is that they have recognized the benevolent master here. But this is Allah, azawajal. Subhanahu wa Taala. So then maybe somebody asks, like, who? Who are those brightest sons? Who are the brightest sons? Who are the stars? What is the quality of the people of Noor? Like subhanallah Tabara ka Ladi Jaada Fi Sama Iburu Jam Wajada Fiha Kamaran Wasiraja Wa Kamara Munira. Wahua yeah. Ladi Jaada Laila Wannahara Khilfa the man arada inya dakara arada shukura. Who what are the qualities? And this is something we believe, mashallah, in, in Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to something that we have to do is something that is central to our life he goes into great description he leaves no stone unturned so that the Quran can be a guide for us that's why sayyidina Nabi sallallahu wa wasallam wa he said al-quran hujjatun lak aw the Quran is going to be a proof for me or against me so here we see, as we start these first two verses from Surah Al-Furqan, our relationship with Tawheed, our relationship with our Creator, that our Creator, SubhanAllah, has made us as Muslims lights in this world, Alhamdulillah. And that's why in the 33rd chapter of the Quran, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says about Sayyidina Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, allahi bi idnihi wa sirajan munira that the prophet is Siraj Munir, a bright torch. And here we're called, which means sons, but also it has the meaning Siraj is a torch. And the Imam al-Razi, Imam fakhruddin al-Razi, he says something very beautiful because a torch is a type of light that is passed on in from one tribe to another. Hey, can we get some of your light? Yeah, here, let us light your torch and they will light someone else's torch and they will light some. So the light spreads So, Muhammad is called Siraj in the 33rd chapter of the Quran because each and every one of us who follow Muhammad, we're torchbearers. We carry this light. We are responsible. To be a Muslim is serious. To be someone who follows Muhammad is a very serious thing. The last prophet, Muslims are the last reservoir of divine guidance for humanity. If we are corrupted, what will happen to humanity? humanity. So Allah says, Munira, the Prophet is not only a torch, and this is Arabic, he's a bright torch. Torches are already bright, but as if to say the light of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi and the message of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi its illumination cannot be contained. Subhanallah. <laughs> Nurihi, the noor of Allah will be complete with the Ummah of the Prophet and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So SubhanAllah, Sirajam Munira, that means each and every one of us who says Muhammadur Rasulullah, we became now torchbearers. We became responsible. How will it be we bring all the prophets as witnesses against their communities and we bring you, Muhammad, as a witness against your ummah. Did they do the job? Did they do this job? So the person will ask, SubhanAllah, what are the qualities of those those people those people who carry light so that I can be of those people and that takes us to the 63rd verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa rahman yamshuna 'ala qalu and that's why this well wow, if you speak arabic is wa'atf wow it's it's a conjunction of what came before it. So blessed is the one who made the stars and the heavens, the sun and the moon, and made the day and the night, and made al Rahman, and made these, created these chosen servants of Allah. Allahu Akbar. We learn something also here, that it's a plural, Wa Rahman, those, Rahman. Most ulama say that ibadul Rahman, there are two meanings to this. Well, there are actually, we can add a third. The first are those who are unaware that they are Ibadur Rahman. Those are Muslims, unfortunately, who have detached themselves from adherence to Islam and have no real concern for the case of Iman and Islam. They consider themselves Muslims, but they are not determinately adherent. They are involuntarily adherent. Still, they are considered the ibad al-Rahman, out of the rahmah of Allah. Then there are those who struggle. That's the majority of us, right? As Imam ibn Qayyim said, Kullu Muslim, Yaqif Bayna shaytan wa adhan Rahman, Rahman. Every Muslim sits between two adhans, their nafs. The call of shaitan and the call of the most merciful. And sometimes we struggle, right? Which one to answer? It's very normal. It's part of our life. May Allah forgive us. And then mashallah, there are those who are, alhamdulillah, acutely aware of the situation, are hyper-focused, alhamdulillah, in a moderate way, and have made the akhirah their GPS. Their Google Maps, it says akhirah. And between that is everything they want to do in dunya. And they look at it and they see, is this going to take me away from Akhira? Going to stay away from this. Is it going to take me away away from Jannah? I need to avoid this. Is this going to take me to Jannah? Recently, I was with a young man in a car and I asked him, what's your plans for the future? He said, you know, get married, have a house, graduate. I said, no, no, no. I said, your future when you meet Allah, He said, man, I never thought about this before. I never thought about that as my future. Yeah, that's your future. That's the future. What are my plans for the future? The future. So here, Ibadul Rahman can have, you know, four meanings, sorry. Number one, the one who's not aware of their their Muslim, but they're not uh, determinately adherent. They even may be negligent. May Allah protect us. Number two is the one who's a sinner, but they feel guilty, they feel bad. May Allah help us. A lot of us were like this. We fall into mistakes and sins. Number three, the person between sin and good. Number four, the one who's foremost in Khairat. Ibad Rahman. Umuman and So we say Ibad Rahman is the whole ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam. The entire community, all of us, we should respect one another because each and every one of us is from the al Rahman. That's why Imam Al-Tahawi, he said in his famous book in theology, Al-Mu'minun, as I remember, uh, Al-Mu'minun kulluhum awliya Rahman, that all the believers are the friends of Ar-Rahman. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allahu waliyu alladhina amanu yukhrijuhum min al-zulumati ila nur. Maybe somebody ask, how can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be my friend? I'm a sinner because a friend forgives you. SubhanAllah. A friend will forgive you. So the, the wilayah with Allah for the Muslim who's far away and is a sinner is tawbah, is forgiveness. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Whoever turns to Allah will find Allah forgiving. إن الله يغفر Allah forgives every sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says tabu wa wa short, Allah says, "For those who repent." And they rectify their lives And they are sincere Then they are believers They are strong believers They are firm believers So maybe somebody says I'm a sinner I'm so far away from Allah I did so many evil things How is Allah my wali? Because Allah says he's your wali But you may ask In what way by forgiving you? Maybe the person in, this, in the middle, and that's why the majority of Ahl-Sunnah, Imam Abu Hasan al-Ash'ari and others, as, min, as they mentioned, whoever repents to Allah is Muslim, is forgiven. Sincerely repents to Allah. Whoever sincerely turns to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will forgive them. This is the belief of Islam. As is mentioned in the Quran. The second, maybe somebody between evil and good. And they feel guilty, they feel sad by the evil they've done, even though they do good as well. Maybe they will say, how is Allah my wali? Allah Waliu wali amaru. Qara la ilaha illallah, fallahu wali Whoever says la ilaha illallah, then Allah is that person's wali. That's what the Quran says. We don't need to filter this through anyone else. And that's why we have to be very careful that if we're teaching people or we're sharing things online, we are not projecting our own insecurities onto the ummah. No, no. This is not a personal thing. What Allah says is what Allah says. So the second is the person between evil and good. Maybe they say, "How will Allah, how is Allah my wali? As we said earlier for the sinner, Allah is the wali through maghfirah. How is the wilaya happening for the person between sin and good per the Quran? Al-hidayah. Increased guidance. <laughs> Quran says those who seek hidayah, we increase them in hidayah. Allahu Akbar. Those who seek it, we give it. So the wilaya between the person stuck between good and evil is through more guidance to be stronger and better. As Allah says, we strengthened your heart. The last is for the person who may be doing good. And they feel so blessed that Allah has protected them, taken them from evil. They don't feel arrogant. They feel humbly blessed. Alhamdulillah. <tussen cells> <Life> Alhamdulillah. <contexto> Allah has saved me from this and brought me to this. Maybe they will say, what's the wilaya? What's the wilaya for me? Is as Allah says, uh, mentioned in Surat uh, Al-Layl, is that the good will be facilitated? So, how do we recognize this? Someone asked a great question. How do I recognize these three things in my life? Number one, I know at least the, the, the minimal level of wilaya is happening because I'm repenting to Allah. I make tawbah. That's why the Prophet, alayhi wa alayhi wa wa salam, as mentioned by Abu Huraira, he said, Wallahi, la astaghfirullah wa atubu ilaykulla yawmin ma'a marrah. Sayyidina Nabi Muhammad alaihi salatu said every day, at least a hundred times, I say astaghfirullah. That's one. So I am, am I a person of tawbah? That's why the Qur'an says something beautiful. Inna allaha yuhibbu tawwabin. Allah it doesn't say ta'ibin. It says mm-hmm. Tawabin. Tawwab is a form which means excessiveness. So for them to excessively seek forgiveness, they have to be excessively sinning, subhanAllah. Or at least they think they are excessively sinning. So the first is the sign of this wilaya is repentance. That's why right after salah, what's the first thing we say? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. The second, what's the sign? That I am engaging in this wilaya. If I'm between good and evil, is my good begins to increase. My evil even may stay the same, but subhanAllah, my good is increasing. My good is increasing. And the last mashallah is that Allah Azza wa Jal that person finds ithbat which has al-haq, that they find they are able to stay consistent. Istaqamu, istaqamu so here Allah says, This is called ildafa, a form of possession. And this is called idhafa to tashrif, an honorable possession. An honorable ownership. Just like we say we call the masjid what? بَيْتُ It's not really the house of Allah but it is something that is so sacred and used for such a sacred person a a purpose it is though mashallah this is the house of allah because the purpose pay attention to this the purpose of creation is worship so that building is being used for the secret of creation the true purpose of creation which is worship therefore this is baitullah. so you see the metaphor What do we say about a person who knowingly chooses and voluntarily surrenders their nafs to live for the purpose that Allah has created all things? Abdullah. Abdullah. Because that person is the walking embodiment of the purpose of creation. I did not create jinn and men except and women and men and jinn except to worship me. So just as the masjid is called Baytullah because it fulfills the purpose of creation, the person who chooses to live a life which is dedicated to fulfilling that purpose, worship, is called Abdullah. And here, Ibadul rahman. Why subhanAllah is a plural used in saying Wa Abdul Rahman Allah Ardi Haunan Wa either Khatabahumujahiluna Karu Salama? Why is it Wa Ibaru Rahmanna Abdul Rahman Aladi Yamshi Al Ardi Haunan Wa either khatabuhu qala aljahiluna Jahiluna kala Why is it a plural? And why does this happen over over and over and over in the Quran? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the ummah of the Prophet, وسلم, he talks about the work we do, even in places where it would seem the singular is more fitting, he uses a plural. For example, in al Fatiha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he doesn't say iyaka aabudu wa iiaka astain you we worship, you we seek for assistance. Don't say I worship, I seek assistance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wata wa so bil happi, wata wa soul. They encourage one another to patience. They encourage one another to truth, excuse me, and they encourage one another to resilience. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, as we're going to talk about in this chapter later on, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, wa taqwa, wa wa you all must cooperate towards good and you all must not cooperate to evil over and over and over and again and again in the Quran, the unity of Muslims is put at the forefront and it is a shame and a disaster that we find amongst some Muslim groups, the hyper fetish to divide, weaken and destroy the unity of the Muslims. In fact, it is seen as a religious obligation to undermine the wihda of the ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the Prophet alayhi salatu salam in a sound hadith, he said, stay together. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَذَارِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطَى لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ We made you an ummah, one ummah, the best ummah. In the third chapter of the Qur'an, in two places, كُنتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةً أُخْرِجَ لِنَاسِ You are the best community over and over and over. Now we find the way that Muslims interact with one another, even religious Muslims, they will declare each other as non-Muslims. They will declare each other as not being acceptable Muslims. They will actually do things to undermine the sacred unity of the Muslim community. And this is why we do not find barakah in our work. And that's why Subhanallah. In the third chapter of the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala warns the Muslims of this danger when He says, "Wa kifatakfurun wa antum tutla alaykom ayatullahi wa fiikum rasuluh. وَمَنْ يَعْتَسِمُ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدَ هُودِيَ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ." Allah says, "How could you disbelieve?" This verse is sent speaking to the Sahaba. Allah says, how could you disbelieve? When you recite the verses of the Quran and the messenger is amongst you, والسلام, This verse was sent because Muslims they begin to argue over tribalism. Tribalism, perhaps one of the greatest catastrophes that has impacted Muslims now is number one, the importance of ethnicity and national identity. It has undermined our ability to think in the theological reservoir of an ummah. We we don't see each other as Muslims first, Muslims fourth or fifth. And this also is not meant to dissuade people from engaging in critical studies or understanding things through a critical lens. But if I put my ethnicity and my nationality in front of the ummah and seeing the believers as an ummah, as one community, this is a problem, SubhanAllah. And this is what those Sahaba had done. They began to fight the Aws and the Khazraj in Medina over tribal issues. There were Muslims, SubhanAllah, and Allah Azza wa Jal, immediately he sent this verse, wa kayfa takfuroon? how could you disbelieve? Look, SubhanAllah, how could you disbelieve? Sheikh Muhammad Abdu, Yirhamu, Imam Sheikh Rashid Rida, and others, explainers of the Quran as well, other more classical uh, people who explain the Quran. They said, "Takfurun." This is a form of what's called majaz in rhetoric, majaz al-mursal. Alaqahu, a-la-qatuhuma What that means is you mention what will happen, but you mean what caused it. So you mention what's going to happen as the verb, but the reason you mention what mention what is going to happen is to show that the action they are doing the gravity of the action. So here, what Allah says actually it means, according to those ulama, how could you differ your ranks? Because differing the ranks of the Muslims will lead to what? To kufr. So the outcome of differences is mentioned in, the, in Arabic, in the Quran, to show the danger of the cause that leads to that disbelief. We don't believe the Sahaba are disbelievers. So here the verse means and if you continue to divide in these ways on tribal and ethnic lines, this is going to lead to kufr. Subhanallah. Here you see the depth of the Quran. There are other reasons also, subhanallah, While we find some, uh, in ex- especially some, of our brothers and sisters, who, you know, they're very passionate about the truth. Um, and 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 sometimes passion can be a problem, right? Passion and uh, being excited about something is not necessarily the best way to go. We have to couple our passion uh, and and sometimes our drive with knowledge. That's why Mutanabbi. Is a great uh, poet. He said, pay attention to this poem. He said that to think before you're brave is two braveries. Right? To think before you're brave is two brave. Meaning, have a plan, have some kind of idea, right? Have some kind of action, uh, some kind of plan for the action that you plan to engage in because just to act. So sometimes people become Muslim. Sometimes people were were not good Muslims and they become great Muslims. And suddenly they have this powerful passion. I experienced this myself. And they think that that passion is, is authorizing them to be giving information to Muslims. But that passion, when it is, untethered from knowledge and experience and emotional intelligence is a problem. And one of those consistent forms of of messaging that I find is that people use weak hadith to justify dividing the ibad of ar-Rahman. And we learn something in that verse, the 63rd verse of the 25th chapter of the Quran. How do we organize as a community? What do we organize around? And the importance of being together, the importance of of thinking as a group and working as a group is extremely important. And now we have people that sometimes are funded by intelligence agencies that are supported by people who do not want good for the ummah, funding people to amplify our differences and undermine our unity so that we are destroyed. As the Prophet وصالح, said, Satada, the, the ummas of the world will come together and they will feast on you like a buffet. They will, they will tear you to pieces. The Muslim ummah will be torn to pieces by all of the umms. And the Sahaba, they said, because our numbers are going to be le- less in this hadith of Ibn Majah. And the Prophet said, no, 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 no. The, the numbers will be more. But the Muslims on that at that time will be like haba and like they'll be like weak foam. So we should be very careful. No doubt that doesn't mean that we're not critical or that, that we don't have a voice or criticism, yes, but not criticism that destroys us. Of course, in certain egregious situations, of course, but we're talking about most of the time People are being berated and destroyed and pushed out of the ummah and and wrecked spiritually by people. And those people have done things which Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is forgiving. Someone's asking what's your advice if someone is going through that passion phase is to sit with the people of knowledge, to sit with the responsible people of knowledge and also to have mentors, to have people who've gone before you, to reach out to those people in your community or in your area, who are, who are experienced in these things. And that's why you find sometimes those passionate people, who do they hate more than anyone else, the scholars? Because they know the scholars are going to, to calm them down, to, to tell them, take it easy, man. Stop throwing everyone out of Islam. Well, like some people, they're more happy with people leaving Islam than people entering Islam. SubhanAllah, Sheikh, learn. And if you can't find a good teacher and mentor, Look in the Quran and look in the life of the Prophet, how the Prophet he dealt with people. If we look at how Muslims talk to each other now on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, is there one example of the Prophet talking this way to somebody? Even, even the even the hypocrites? Is, is there an example of the Sahaba, Radiallahu Anhum, speaking to their fellow Muslims in this way? And now you'll find someone who will say Islam justifies me to be unethical and how I deal with a sinner. Do you see the contradiction here or an assumed sinner? So I'm upset with someone for an ethical violation. But then I say that religion has allowed me to eschew ethics in dealing with them. Then I became the same as that person. Subhanallah. What's the difference now? Whereas Allahu Akbar, Allah subhanahu wa says in the Qur'an, أحسن, speak to people in the best way. And the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa he said من منكم, whoever sees evil, yeah, change it. But how do you change it with adab? Think about it in the Qur'an. Allah says, Do not argue with the Christians and Jews, except in a way that's better. If this is with the Christians and the Jews who are not Muslim, how should we argue with the Muslim? Allahu Akbar. Do we even read the Quran? do Don't argue with those people who are not Muslim, except in a way that's excellent. What about the Muslims? Well, like how many people have reached out to me wrecked and destroyed by people who... And sometimes people, they don't even know that they're making mistakes and people destroy them. Wallahi, that's why our teachers used to say the believer, mashallah, the the believer is the one who looks at, at people with like the eye of finding excuses for them. And the hypocrite is the one who wants to find always their mistakes. Always find their mistakes. You don't know where people are. That's why subhanAllah, it's very important to be smart. But one of the texts, and I want to make this brief, that I find sometimes people use a lot, is the hadith that says the Jews and Christians divided into 72 sects. And our ummah, this ummah will divide into 73 sects. Every one of them in the fire except one. And there are different narrations. Everyone in the fire except one. Everyone is in hell except what me and my Sahaba did. And of course, there's other narrations that talk about Al Jama'a, Al Firqa, Al Najiha. And many of us have seen this hadith used by different groups. And the sad thing is, every single group is not humble enough to realize that maybe they are not Al Firqa, Al Najiha, like humility. They will all label themselves as the same sect. I want everyone to pay attention to this and perhaps take some notes because I understand that sometimes these are not the best places to teach, you know, more detailed subjects. But the danger of this hadith and how this hadith has been amplified, even by intelligence agencies, to justify Muslims actually killing each other murdering each other? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam in a sound hadith, he said, qatlu muslim kufar. To kill a Muslim is disbelief. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam said, al mu'min la yadur mu'min, kama qal alayhi sallatu sallam, a believer does not harm a believer. And the Prophet وسلم, and the Hadith, written by Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Sa'id al Khudri, if I remember correctly, he said, "Al Salim al Muslimun wa'idi." What happened to all these Hadith about being good to one another, loving one another, not hurting each other, not harming each other? Now it can be thrown out the window because I'm on the truth. Again, I cannot justify acting unethically with unethical people. They're not. How are they going to believe you? Whereas the Prophet sallallahu wa he has a high level of character. I was sent to correct the akhlaq, to complete it, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Maybe it's not hypocrisy, maybe it's passion. You know, sometimes people, they become so passionate that they're led by their passion. That's a problem. Now people nobody can say tonight. How many verses of Quran did we quote? How many ahadith did we quote? Akhi, what else do you want? So we need to be careful. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He said, man bi wa khairan Whoever believes in Allah on the last day should speak well or remain sad. Yeah, you can correct people, but correct them with love, man. Correct them with care, correct them with investment. Don't destroy them, especially the Muslims. To love a Muslim in a post-colonial age of terrorism, we're all considered terrorists, is an act of revolt, alhamdulillah, against the broader system, and an act of ibadah. The Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi said, <laughs> That to bring happiness to a fellow Muslim will, alhamdulillah, obligate Jannah for you. Subhanallah, to, to bring happiness to a Muslim will make Jannah an obligation. This hadith came to us with 13 asaneed, alhamdulillah, was sheikh sheikhi. And our teacher, he said, this hadith is a good hadith. But let's talk briefly about the hadith that my ummah is going to break up into 73 sects. First of all, this hadith is not mentioned by Bukhari and Muslim because it did not reach their criterion. It did not reach the criterion of Sayyidina Imam al-Bukhari, Abu Ismail al-Bukhari, and Sayyidina Imam Muslim, radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. This is very important to know. Although others considered it, Hassan like Imam al-Tirmidhi and Sayyidina Imam Ibn as well as Imam al-Nasa'i, with some discussion. However, there are actually nine asanid of this hadith. Nine different chains that we can mention of this hadith, or just to save time, actually eight I'll mention. The first is this narration, this narration that the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from Abu Huraira, And in its Isnad is Muhammad ibn Amru ibn al and he's Daif. Just remember that the hadith of Abu Huraira, the 73 sects, Muhammad ibn Amr ibn al wa huwa Da'if. He was weak, that's why Yahya ibn al-Sa'id al-Ma'rik, Ma'rik, of course, as in the madh'ab, he said, to, like this is not someone you should trust. That's the first. Remember this, everybody. Remember this, because this hadith is used to justify unraveling al Rahman, to destroying us. Imagine some people are so confused that they think Muslim disunity is an act of ibadah. Ya Allah, ya. subhanAllah, Allah says, don't divide, don't divide. It's in the Qur'an, it's haram. SubhanAllah, to divide ourselves is haram. Not to work together. The second is from Muawiyah. Who narrates the same narration from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wa salam and in this narration is Azhar ibn Abdillah Al huzani And he is known to be daif, And actually he used to curse Sayyidina Ali. Audibilla. He used to curse Sayyidina Ari uh Radiallahu <inaudible> ta'ala anhu. And that's why Al-Azari said, Ya taqala fihi right? That the ulama of hadith they talked about him. And they put him also in the books of the du'afa, the books of those people who are weak. And the irony is that people will use this hadith. Some of them will say Hassan ghayrihi, there's so many different asani that it makes it li ghairihi. But if if let's say, for example, it's hasanli ghayrihi, why would you rely on something that's li ghayrihi when you have the Quran? Why would we put that in front of the Quran? This, this now shows you the problem or other narrations that are authentic from the Prophet Sallallahu which are found in Bukhari and Muslim that command us Wa kunu ibar Allah, to be as one ummah. Yeah, exactly, Subhanallah. The third narration is from Anas Ibn Madik anhu. And actually this narration has sabaa turuq. I don't wanna make it difficult for you, which means it has seven different like chains that go back to Sayyidina Anas. Like the one that went back to Muawiyah, mm-hmm. the one that went to, uh, back to Abu Hurairah, to say, Na anas within the Isnad itself are seven turuq. Wa Every single one of them is weak. In fact, some of them are even worse. You, you will not find one that doesn't have a liar in it or someone who is majhurul hal. And Sayyidina Imam al he mentions this in his Diwan al-Du'afa, you can find it on page 2089. Because I know when I said this before, some people attacked me, they said, I'm a convert, I'm stupid. See, look, Subhanallah, what does it have to do with anything? If somebody's a convert, Sayyidina Umar, wasn't he a convert? Sayyidina Aisha, wasn't she a convert? Yes, Subhanallah, so that tells you those people that they're not committed to... A level of academic excellence that demands a response. That's why sometimes I don't respond to people because I don't. I don't want to talk to anybody that way. If we're going to have a conversation, have a conversation. If you don't agree with me, it's okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to have any personal problems with you. But that third narration of Sayyidina Anas ibn Marik anhu, and you can find this also in the Sahih of the Sharh of Sayyidina al-Tahawi, and the Hashia on page uh, three hundred and seventy-one, and also page six hundred and twenty-nine. The fourth also has from uh, Aouf ibn Madik, and in this sonnet, there are two people that are a problem Abdullah uh, uh, Ubar ibn Yusuf, jidden, uh, uh, as well as, I'm trying to remember, Lala, the, the, the fourth, excuse me, is from Aouf ibn Madik, and in that you find Ubar ibn Yusuf, daif. Sayyidina Imam al Dahabi, he mentioned him in the Diwan al Du'Afa. The fifth narration from Abdullah ibn Umar ibn As, and this is the narration of Sayyidina Tirmidhi. You find this in the the, the Sunan of Imam Tirmidhi, uh, 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 book five, page twenty-six, I believe. Wa fi isnadihi Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad wa huwa daif. In that chain, there's someone. His name is Abdullah. Uh, Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad al-Ifriqi, he was da'if. The sixth narration from Abi Umama al bahili radiallahu anhu, masha'Allah. And the Abi Aasim, and in this sonnet is Uqayl al-Jadi, al-Jadi, waqala al-Hafath ibn Hajar fi filisan afon al-Mizan, qala al-Bukhari, munkar al-Hadith. Imam al-Bukhari said about this person, Abdullah ibn... uh, 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 um, uh, What's his name? Uh, 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 He said about this person, Munkar Hadith. Munkar Hadith. Subhanallah. Also the narration of Sayyidina Ali, Karamallahu wajhhahu wa radhiallahu anhu, also from Abi Asim in his book, As-Sunnah. And in his isnad is Layth Ibn Ubay Sulaim, wa huwa da'if jiddan. So the point here is we go through all these different Asanid, I'm gonna mention them one more time. All eight, there's a problem with them. SubhanAllah. The first, the narration of Sayyidina Abi Huraira, you find it in Amr Ibn Al-Qama, da'if. The second of, of Muawiyah, radiyallahu anhu, Abdullah al Husaini. He was one of the big people who hated Sayyidina Ali, and his, he's considered extremely weak. The third, Anas ibn anhu, was seven turuq, all of them are da'if. They have some liars, they have some people who are unknown. You know, it's a problem. You can find it in the Sharh of Sayyidina Imam al-Tahawi and the Hashia on that on page 371 and page 629. Also, Auf ibn Marek, his narration, and in that you have uh, Udari ibn Yusuf, and he is da'if. See Sayyidina Imam al Diwan al-Dha'afa raqm 2089. The fifth is the narration of Abdullah ibn ibn Ma'as Marfu'an and the tirmidhi. We mentioned this is the narration of tirmidhi, and then it's, it's is Abdul Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad al-Ifriqi, and he is da'if. The sixth is the narration of uh, of, of uh of um, Sayyidina uh, Abi Umama, radiallahu anhu. And his isnad also, Ibn Nasir, wa huwa da'if, and he's known as being Munkar, an absolute liar. The seventh is from Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, from Uqail. And this, according to Imam Ibn Hajr, this person, Uqail, is someone who is considered weak. And a problem. And Bukhari actually said he's munkar. You can see Lisan al-Mizan, volume 4, page 209. And the eighth I'm going to finish here is the narration of Sayyidina Ali, radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. Also in that, Isnaz is layth ibn Abi uh, ibn Abi uh, Abi Sulaim, wa huw da'if jiddin, jiddin. And he was known amongst the scholars to be weak. That's why Imam Ibn Hajar, تعالى, عنه, he said in a taqrib you can find it a number five five thousand 5,685. He said, اخترط, like he used to mix hadith. He used to confuse hadith. I understand now, subhanAllah, that, and in fact, he said, you know, many of his hadith, they should be, should be completely abandoned. The other problem with this hadith about the ummah dividing up in the seventy-three texts is that I mentioned earlier it goes against the Quran, and it makes us worse than those communities who came before us. Subhanallah, we are worse than them. Then, than, what does it tell you? That's why maybe there is a disdain for the community. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, ummatin You are the best community. This is called kana kana tam. Yani, you are the best and will always be the best. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We made you the best ummah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why also people like Imam Ibn Hazm, they said this hadith is mawdu'ah, is fabricated, the one that says everybody is in the hellfire. And Imam Ibn Wazir, radiyallahu wa he said, al Be careful of the, uh, the deception of this hadith. It's a problem. You should avoid it. And also the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa He said in numerous narrations, he said, In the hadith of Sayyidina Imam Muslim, the Prophet said, whoever says, La ilaha illallah, sincerely, Allah has forbidden hell from them. That hadith is Sahih, Rawahu <coughs> Muslim. And the Prophet said, Man wa huwa la jannah. Whoever dies and knows La ilaha enter paradise. And here I need to make a very important point that we believe, and this is mentioned in the books, even in Al Azhar when I was there. This is actually mentioned in a middle school textbook at Al Azhar. That's how simple this issue is. That what is obligatory for the masses of the Muslims to believe are the general issues of belief. and Allah is one, prophet is the final prophet, alhamdulillah, they believe in al-akhirah. But the masses of the Muslims are not obligated to learn the particular issues of theology. That would destroy everyone. That would cause everyone to, to, to be out of Islam. So we say, This is mentioned by other the scholars of theology. But unfortunately when people teach Aqeedah now, it's this group, this group, this position, this position. Aqeedah is meant to strengthen our Iman and to help us follow Sayyidina Akwan and to have hope and, and, and to be convinced and, and dedicated to the Ummah of the Prophet. So now we went through all eight asanid. I'm sure there are people who will differ with me. That's acceptable. I'm not going to call them names. I'm not going to attack them. I'm not going to have any even uh, microaggressions uh, towards them. And I'm, I'm I'm certainly open to have those discussions with them. But Subhanallah, a hadith that has this kind of impact on the community should never be given preference to the Quran especially when all of its eight chains and its different turuq are not free of concerns amongst some scholars of hadith. So we have to see that Muslim unity is an obligation. And instead of lacking the patience to talk and engage in real discussion, the hadith about the ummah dividing into 73 sects and everyone is in the hell except one, this hadith is da'if but used to divide us as Muslims and to weaken us as a community. And I went through all a Asanid uh, a few times. So Allah says, Rahman, The servants of Ar-Rahman. Also, we learned something from this beautiful verse of Quran that those people know that Allah is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. يَعْرِفُونَ يعرفون and they base their relationship knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bismillah, and actually there should be a colon in the translation, with the names of Allah, the most merciful, the mercy giving. To remind us of Allah's rahmah. Who are those people who are the servants of Allah Azza wa Jal? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا وَإِذَا خَاتَبَهُمُوا جَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا Tomorrow, inshallah, but a little bit tonight, we're going to look at these nine characteristics of the these unified people. They have unity. عِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ and we're going to divide these nine characteristics into four categories. You can look at these four categories as being things that should be a constant in my life and in your life. The first is قسم من kamalat that The idea of التحل means to wear jewelry. At bil How do I adorn myself? And look at the language of the scholars, the adornment of good deeds and good character. At at afwan bil yani. I'm putting on jewelry. So the idea here is how do I adorn myself, mashaAllah? MashaAllah with khayr. That's the first quality. The first category, if you will, and this is talking about adiniya wa dunya and deen and dunya. The second is at At means to remove, like to look in the mirror. Oh man, this doesn't look right. Oh, this doesn't match. Oh, this is not good. Oh, this is not acceptable. Oh, oh, this is not right. This is not acceptable. So, how do I remove? Negative qualities. And this was the way of ahra tasawwuf yani wa To adorn and to remove. To remove and to adorn. Of course, this is a metaphor for acquiring good qualities and removing bad qualities. So the first two categories out of the four are acquiring these good qualities. The second are things I should remove. That's why we say, al-Islam yaqif bayna al-fi'il wa-tark. And that in reality, Islam rests between two actions, doing and avoiding. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, he said, wa ma, ma amartukum He said, wa, w- 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 the hadith of Abu Huarira, What I prohibited you, stay away from it. وَمَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا اسْتَطَعْتُمَ What I commanded you, do it as best you can. اَيْ This is our life. And the beauty of it is in order to do تَحَلِّي and تَخَلِّي, I need a mirror. But I don't here mean a literal mirror. I mean the, the, the metaphoric mirror of introspection. المُحَاسَبَة so in order for tahalli and tahalli to happen, in order for me to adorn good and remove evil, I have to look in a mirror. But here, in order for me to adorn good in my Islam and remove evil from my Islam, I have to use the mirror of auditing myself. Al-muhasaba. What Sayyidina Omar said, Hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu رَضِيَ اللَّهُ Audit yourself before you're audited. Allah says, well, let everybody look to the future, what they're doing for tomorrow, the hereafter. Hmm. The next is al-istiquama. The third category is staying upright on the shari'a. al ala ma amarahullahu so, the third category is how do I stay consistent? What are the things that I can use to, to stay strong, to cement my relationship with Allah? As the Prophet said, the, the men came to him and said, Tell me something about Islam. I can only ask you. The Prophet said, aman, lahi, Say you believe in Allah and then stay upright. So, the third Set of categories that we're going to learn in this 25th chapter are those things that are going to anchor us and support us and strengthen us as we try to live a life of faith and devotion and grow our emergent sense of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or maintain that sense of submission.